Today, I'm going to give you a chance to meet and to help a Catholic hero. Michael Del Grand is a Catholic school trustee in Toronto. He has been targeted by LGBTQ activists and their allies on the Catholic school board in Toronto since November 7th, 2019, when he tabled a motion opposing the addition of terms like family and marital status, gender expression, gender identity, as protected categories under the Catholic school board's code of conduct. He wanted to protect the right of Catholic schools to forbid things like men dressed as women from teaching Catholic students. His motion suggested that trustees consider what would happen if they added other sexually aberrant categories of behavior, such as pedophilia or cannibalism, as protected categories. It was, of course, an attempt to illustrate that the Catholic board was on a slippery slope by adding gender terms to the code in contradiction of Catholic teaching. The motion sparked outrage, as well as a number of complaints against Delgrand for allegedly violating the trustee code of conduct. He was cleared at first by an independent review, but as the left always does, they try and try again with bullying in between to get their wish. And sure enough, one of the trustees switched their votes, and now Delgrand is lawyered up and fighting, not so much for his rights as for Catholic students and parents who deserve to have a Catholic education. There's a hero coming right up. Stay tuned. Michael Del Grande, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Let's begin as we always do at the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. As I said off the top, it is a great privilege for me to be speaking with you. I, I really do consider you a hero, uh, not only a Catholic hero for the faith, but also for moms and dads of parents, Catholic parents who send their children to Catholic schools for a Catholic education. Um Mike, if you could tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, about your position right now, and we'll start there. Well, I'm retired, and I got elected to uh, an official position to be on the Board of Trustees for the Catholic School Board in the City of Toronto. My previous background uh, had been as a uh, chartered accountant, or as you would say in the States, a CPA in Canadian terms. Um, I've got a master's of theological degree. I have a bachelor uh, of uh, education for teaching purposes. Um, and I have a bachelor of commerce. And I worked for 20 years with a uh, drug retailer in Canada known as Shoppers Drug Mart, who used to own people's drugs in the States. I also became a uh, city of Toronto uh, counselor for 11 years after I finished my uh, professional work with Shoppers Drug Mart. Um, and um, so I've had about 27 years of public service, uh, elected public service. Uh, but prior to that, I was also involved in other um, local volunteer uh, activities. Absolutely. And one thing to understand, I think uh, everyone needs to understand about this, is that in Canada, the... Catholic schools are actually publicly funded. So it's basically they're like public schools, but um, because of our agreements in our charter and so on, we have funding for Catholic schools that comes out of the public purse, as it were. So it's basically just like public schools, but they are Catholic ostensibly under the charge of the bishop of the diocese, but it's run by a trustees board. Explain that a little bit, if you will, and your position um, there. First of all, in, in Canada, uh, not all the provinces fund Catholic schools. Some of them fund up to 50%, some fund 100%, and some fund uh, absolutely zero. So as part of the um, Confederation of Canada, the building of Canada, the Constitution allowed for um, education for French Catholics and uh, English Protestants, basically, in order to form our perfect union, uh, that there would be an understanding that schools would would be uh, recognized uh, under the um, our, under our Constitution, and that the uh, issue of education would become a provincial jurisdiction. And um, we, at the time, didn't have all 10 provinces 
1867. Um, so in some provinces, for example, in Quebec, uh, French majority, they, their schools were basically uh, background in uh, French Catholic. In Ontario, the province that I am from, it basically was uh, English Protestant. And so um, there was recognition that English Protestants in Quebec would be recognized and uh, French Catholics in uh, Ontario would be recognized primarily, but the French part got dropped and the English part got dropped. So it became Catholic and Protestant with respect to the two major provinces uh, in Canada. And the governance of uh, those schools were with um, ratepayers who elected officials to represent them on the schools in order to determine uh, the budget for the school, the taxation. At one point, the taxation for Catholic schools was uh, being taxed on your property tax. So you had to declare if you were Catholic, your taxes were directed to the Catholic system. If you were public, by default, everything uh, went to the public school system. And up until about 1985, um, that uh, system was in place when the government came out and said that they were going to now fund per student. Uh, they were going to fund each student depending on where they wanted to go into either a public school or a Catholic school. So we have per pupil funding and people sometimes confuse the fact that because we're publicly funded that somehow we owe a specific allegiance to the government because we're publicly funded. But in 1847, when our first school was in place, um, ratepayers paid directly to support the schools, I guess, the same way as parochial schools, until such time as uh, an act was passed in 1863 called the Scott Act. And it then recognized that uh, the state would help to fund, um, to an extent, uh, Catholic schools in Ontario. So that's where we find ourselves in with uh, representation, I guess, of our Catholic schools. We have to follow uh, curriculum set up by the province. We have to follow various rules and regulations. But we have constitutionally embedded a right uh, of denominational rights to, to teach in our schools our faith. Right. So the school system in Ontario, uh, at least most of the school boards, um, seem to have gotten out of the practice of Catholicism. Um, the one of the one of the things that we've seen that's been uh, very much of concern to Catholic parents who who want the real faith um, is that the Catholic Teachers Union is pushing all sorts of anti-Catholic agendas, particularly the LGBT agenda. Um, how does that figure for trust Catholic trustees such as yourself? And what have you seen of that debate? Well, first of all, we need to understand what constitutes a Catholic school. And a Supreme Court decision in Canada established that a Catholic school uh, is only Catholic with respect to the teacher in the classroom. So that means whether I'm a trustee or the principal of the school or a superintendent, that does not define a Catholic school, nor does the name on the school define a Catholic school. The Catholic school is defined by the Catholic teacher in the classroom. So the teacher has to be Catholic, and that's what defines a Catholic school. That's, that's enshrined in uh, constitutional law um, um, that the Supreme Court established. So the, the union is a separate entity from the trustees or the Catholic um, ethos, if you will, and uh, they march to their own um, tune. Um, they're there for their union members. I have never really heard them claim that they're there for the kids, although they say, well, we're doing this for the kids. We're going on strike because of the kids. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, they have their own uh, concerns, which are basically their members, which is, in my opinion, somewhat different than my responsibility, which is the children directly and their parents um, basically indirectly. In this school board, as you've been representing Catholic parents and Catholic students, uh, you have been attacked uh, quite vehemently uh, for your Catholic beliefs, trying to uh, represent the Catholic faith. Um, what's happened there and where are things at currently? Well, first of all, I should explain that um, I have a public and a religious uh, component in terms of uh, in the public sphere, I have to be over 18 
uh, and I have to be uh, a Canadian citizen in order to run for office. And in order to run for Catholic office, I have to be a Roman Catholic. Now, it doesn't mean I have to be a practicing Roman Catholic. I just have to be Roman Catholic, that I got baptized at some point, okay? Um, and there's a difference between Roman Catholic and faithful Catholic. So the situation um, here that I've been attacked on is that with the concept of the Catholic teacher being in the Catholic school, um, the board has taken on the position that the government, through its human rights uh, branch, has mandated that uh, certain um, protected rights be given to uh, various groups. And um, they have indicated that we have to adopt um, gender identity, we have to adopt gender expression, we have to adopt marital status, and we have to adopt family status in our system. Now, um, the danger with that is that uh, if you adopt that in what is called our code of conduct, I personally felt that that was an infringement upon our denominational rights. And I was concerned about the, the concept of that the, if the teacher is no longer Catholic, the classroom, the school can no longer be Catholic. If scandal is caused in our church, in our schools, which have the nomenclature of Catholic, then it's something that needs to be addressed. You can't just sweep that under the carpet. A lot of things go unchallenged. Uh, people don't go hunting for um, divorced teachers, for example. They don't do that unless it causes some sort of scandal in the public domain. It's, it's, it's scandalous. So if we uh, adopt, uh, for example, uh, marital status, if there's a problem now that, that our teachers are no longer uh, married, they're divorced, they're, their conditions are such that it could be questioned whether they really are Catholic anymore, then that disrupts the apple cart with respect as the classroom Catholic. If um, two teachers of the uh, same sex are married and, and um, pronounce that, you cannot discipline, you cannot dismiss those teachers, whereas before you could dismiss uh, teachers that weren't, weren't Catholic. So if a principal of a school became uh, a member of another religion, etc., then you can't say, well, how can that person now uh, be a, a leader in the Catholic faith when they no longer believe in the Catholic faith? So it's just common sense logic to say, you can't, you can no longer teach here because you're viewpoint of the Catholic world, of the Catholic understanding is no longer there, and you shouldn't be allowed to influence children with your own personal decisions that you've made. So uh, I don't have to say about gender identity, which has been a big, uh, big thing in the Catholic world. And the church is undergoing a turmoil uh, in this as well, which lay people like myself look to the church for guidance as to what is proper and what is not, not proper. But we're affected by, I think it was Pope Pius X, with this issue of modernity. Part of the defense, if you will, of, of my colleagues on this issue is that it's a human right. And we, the times uh, dictate that uh, we, we, you know, human rights supersede denominational rights, supersede Catholic rights. And, and that's a bit of an oxymoron to me, because if you have a system that is supposed to be Catholic, how can you undermine that system with um, these other things that are that are creeping in? The ongoing battle right now is uh, flying the the pride flag, uh, not just for the day or recognizing it for the day, but flying it for the month, and that opens up a whole kettle of of, of issues. But again, um, the Catholic hierarchy—you have bishops that uh, don't toe the line. I mean, they like when uh, Pope Francis says, "Who am I to judge?" So they jump on all that stuff, but then they, they don't want to deal with the fact that says uh, uh, you can't bless sin. That is abhorrent. And so we're getting to the situation that, for example, if we have these codes in our school board, if you have a same-sex couple that decides they want to send their child to a Catholic school and the teacher should be talking about the sacrament of marriage, 
and the teacher says, you know, it's one man and one woman and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, then we could set, I believe, we can set ourselves up for a complaint to say, oh, uh, you violated human rights because I don't subscribe to that and you're teaching this to my child and you shouldn't be teaching this to my child. Well, we're in a Catholic school environment. I mean, it just really, from my perspective, it um, upsets the whole table cart. It's it's a slow uh, movement, if you will, to undermine the Catholic school system to become secular. I mean, what actual point is there to having a Catholic school system if you're not allowed to be Catholic anyway? Um, interesting point that you made about um, these different groupings. Uh, the, the Catholic faith is there for uh, all, not just to pick on any particular sexual orientation. So it was interesting you mentioned, you know, uh, people who are divorced. I mean, imagine a teacher who was married and had a few kids, uh, and then, and very public in the in the community, and then decides for whatever reason to, to leave his wife and uh, abandon those children, uh, marry another woman, and uh, wants to have kids with her, and then decides, oh, by the way, I might as well marry two, so he enters into a multiple-person union, but very very public about it. That's supposedly a Catholic and a Catholic teacher. The principal can't draw attention to that under these newly proposed uh, ways of going forward and, and discipline that teacher and say, wait a minute, you're not showing a Catholic example. You're not being Catholic. Um, therefore, you shouldn't be teaching in the Catholic school. Please go and teach in the public schools. We can't even do that. John. We can't do that because the the person runs to the teacher's union and the teacher's union then defends that person that we cannot dismiss them, that we should not dismiss them. They will file a grievance. We will go to arbitration. We'll do all this stuff. It becomes very legalistic and very expensive. Um, and so when you asked about the teacher's union, et cetera, uh, that's what I meant by they they're there for their members. They have to, defend their members in, I, I would say, most cases. I, I'm, I'm not part of the union, but I do know that if you want to dismiss a teacher, it's very, very, very difficult to do so. So you're in a lawsuit right now. Uh, why don't you tell us about that, how it started and, and where it's at right now? Well, I don't want to get into some specifics because uh, it's called a, um, a judicial review. And so <clears throat> what happened was we had a debate in November on November the 7th 2019 this is where the board wanted to talk about adopting these four terminologies in our code of conduct and there were myself and three other trustees who felt that this could not be done and part of that John Henry was that we took an oath as catholic school trustees as opposed to public school trustees we took an oath to the magisterium that we would obey and follow the teaching magisterium so that's basically over our heads. Not only are we public school trustees, but we're Catholic school trustees with other obligations. So you have a conflict between public and Catholic um, in this kind of debate. And so we debated that evening, and the item was supposed to be sent to another committee. And the meeting was about seven hours long. It went into the three o'clock in the morning, started at uh, six o'clock uh, the previous day. And um, we were losing the battle. We were losing the battle. And uh, I got up, but three minutes worth, maybe the debate was 10 minutes of that seven hours. I got up and I said, look, um, facetiously, like, why, why stop at these four terms? Why not look at everything? Look at everything and, and, and tell me which is acceptable and which is not acceptable and send it to, send it to committee. And I began to read um, from Google. I had Googled uh, philias. And there were all kinds of, of uh, philias that were in there that, um, I mean, are beyond the pale for Catholic, whatever. But I said, look, let's not get into this thing every two, three years that we're going to add something and add something and add something. Tell me, tell me what it is that was going to be acceptable and what isn't going to be acceptable. And so I got taken to task because uh, I was accused that I was comparing, for example, uh, bestiality to the LGBT community, which I had not. I did not compare. I, I wasn't making any comparison. I didn't say uh, or point to any group or any person or whatever. I was saying in general terms, tell me how far we're going to go with changing 
who we are. And so um, the Cardinal of Toronto, um, Cardinal uh, Collins, Thomas Collins, came out a few days later with a statement that uh, they were not accepting the transgendered um, side of things. Actually, came out with a statement. Um, didn't didn't mention me at all or the other trustees, but said we cannot. But we had been told in the debate that the archdiocese was okay with all this stuff, hmm. which I find out later through the. I don't know, news release or whatever from the archdiocese, that they were not okay with this particular thing. And then about mm, three, four days later, not a peep from any, anyone. Uh, I believe someone ran to the uh, the uh, CBC, which is the national uh, television radio network of the uh, Canadian government, and did what I call the big lie. They associated my mentioning those philias that I had did that I was talking about LGBT plus people and I was making comparisons and I was being hurtful and I was this and I was that. And then all the other uh, news networks, rather than checking and uh, they ran with what I would call the big lie. And so I was branded that I had done this when I had not done this. And so the, the repercussions were fast and furious um, because I held a teacher's license, um, some went so far as to remove my teacher's license to have me uh, dismissed from the teaching profession. I had not taught, but I had the the uh, the degree for it, and I had to go. I have, I'm going in the process of trying to defend myself with the uh, teachers' college. But so they continued, and they continued, and then people in the government got involved, uh, and politics being politics. Uh, it's almost comparable, not quite with the master cake issue uh, that you guys had in the States where a baker decides I'll bake cakes, et cetera, but I'm just not going to bake a cake that give an impression that I'm supportive of this. Um, but the uh, complainants go after this guy to have his livelihood taken away, have his uh, business license taken away, have his fundamental religious rights taken away. We look at that uh, master cake um, issue as part of the overall issue when we don't have a situation like that in Canada. We look to Britain and we look to the U.S. to look at precedents elsewhere if we don't have our own precedent. So mine is somewhat um, of a precedent from the point of view the Education Act, which is what trustees fall under, have a section uh, with respect to code of conduct. And every board is to adopt a code of conduct. Now, some boards uh, adopt uh, items in the code that go beyond the legislation. And there's a whole issue of can you do that? Can you not do that? Uh, how far can you go? Um, but uh, given that, there was a code of conduct complaint made against me. Uh, the board decided that I had violated the code, that uh, I was to be censured. I could not um, participate as a chair or vice chair of any committee. I could not uh, represent the board on any outside groups or committees. Uh, I was required to give an apology that I was wrong and I had to go to re-education camp uh, to learn about uh, human rights and et cetera, et cetera. So um, the process in that legislation um, said that I could appeal that decision of the board. So uh, I did. Ironically, this took place in the year 2020, um, November of 2020, the quote, the infraction occurred uh, November 2019. In December of 2019, we had elections. We have elections every year for chair and vice chair of the board, et cetera. I was elected by my peers to, uh, to head some committees, to be chairs of some committees. Okay, They voted for me to be chairs of some committee. We have 12 trustees and seven is a majority. So I got the majority to be on outside committees, et cetera, et cetera. 
And then this thing became more and more and more political. And uh, on August the 20th, the board uh, decided to make their vote as to whether I had violated the code of conduct. And our bylaws say that you need seven out of the 12 to pass that resolution. They didn't get seven. They got six. And so therefore, the determination, as outlined by the legislation, was that, for for lack of word, not guilty, okay? Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, between that and the, and the 2019, there were all kinds of, of back and forth accusations between trustees and that I had done something to the, to the student trustee. And it was like everything but the kitchen sink was thrown at me, that I was such a terrible, horrible guy. And look what he did, et cetera. And things were leaked. And I was under the, the whole time, I couldn't speak because everything was private and confidential. But all kinds of stuff was leaking out, and I couldn't respond to it. So on August the 20th, when the determination was made, um, the political people at the Ontario government decided to get involved as well, too. And we had the uh, former uh, Premier of Ontario, Kathleen Wynne. Who, by the way, is a, is a lesbian herself and uh, the, one of the most anti-Catholic uh, ministers we've ever had. But anyway, please keep going. You said that. I didn't say that. Um, but uh, she got involved. She embarrassed the government. The Minister of Education got involved as well, too. And the board, uh, through some of the uh, trustees that were incensed that I wasn't found guilty, um, they have a provision to review the decision, et cetera. And uh, one of the people that uh, wasn't on side with them got on side with them. They got their seven votes and and bang, um, I was now guilty. And so, you know, I had to hire a lawyer, et cetera, very expensive lawyer because the uh, provision said that I could appeal it, which I did, and then I could have a um, judicial review, okay? I don't believe there's been any situation where any trustee has gone for judicial review. Sounds kind of simple, but um, the process is like worth a couple of hundred thousand dollars to to fight because um, what what's occurred in my situation right now is that uh, the board uh, is defending uh, their position and I guess uh, opposing my judicial review. Um, So that's the board. And there are uh, two government departments with uh, two lawyers each. So there's five lawyers. So I have the might of the school board with deep pockets and the government with deep pockets fighting a, a simple trustee, okay, saying, look, I don't think this decision or how I've been treated is fair. I think it should be reviewed. Why? Because if you continually can open up something, so a determination was made, you didn't get the result that you wanted. So you try again, you don't get that. You try again, you try again, you try. How many times can you be tried for running a red light or, you know, any kind of uh, legal infraction? So I thought, you know, that's rather unfair. You can't keep going until you get the decision that you want by pressuring the trustees to change their opinion to find me finally guilty. And we had an ombudsman who, who, who basically indicated to other people that were unhappy with uh, code of conduct violations against trustees saying, hey, the only way that this can be undone is to have a judicial review. They didn't say that the, that the uh, decision can be reviewed over and over and over again. So it's like double and triple and quadruple jeopardy until you get the decision that you want. And that, I think, no, mar- no matter where you go, this is a quasi-judicial uh, application that occurred at the school board, okay? It's still enshrined in the Education Act as to the process, and so that process is quasi-judicial. It, it, it puts upon the board to make a decision based upon legislation. So they act in a position of authority to do that. So my point is, look, I haven't been treated fairly, my belief. Um, secondly, I was found not to be in violation because the number of seven was not reached. And you now let me get on with my life. And they came back and said, no, uh, we're going to come at you again. 
And so I asked the question, I said, well, how many times can you come after me? Well, we can come after you again and again, five times, six times, seven. Well, uh, even if you wanted to appoint a lawyer, what do you get to appoint a lawyer? Six, seven times, et cetera, to, to, to keep battling and, and fighting. Um, that's not, that's just not fair in any kind of legal or fairness uh, jurisdiction. It's just not right. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Mike, we are, we are going to launch a life funder campaign to, to help you to get Catholics to support what really is just a Catholic trustee trying to do his job that he was elected for um, to represent parents on the board of education so that their children could have a Catholic education. But what's stunning to me in all this, you mentioned the deep pockets of the board uh, and of the, of the government that are, that are funding again, the case against you, basically. Um, what have you heard in terms of support uh, of your position from the, the place you think it would come from most the Catholic Bishop, the Catholic diocese? It's kind of an oddity because, uh, Maybe your your viewers are not aware of this, but you have to look at the composition of the board and you have to say to yourself, why did this happen? Okay, so we can call ourselves Catholics, but we have different views of what Catholicity means. There are Catholics that believe in abortion, that it's okay, your president uh, being uh, one of those people. You have people that believe in um, all kinds of rights, uh, all kinds of recognitions for things that are not compatible with the Catholic faith. I say that because um, there have been instances at our board where uh, one instance, someone came and quoted from the catechism of the Catholic church. Let me repeat that. The catechism of the Catholic church in a Catholic school board meeting. And that person was not allowed to quote the catechism. Okay. So um, the cardinal got involved and said that that's not proper. Uh, you, you, you are allowed to quote the Bible and you are allowed to quote the catechism. Another parent came in, an actual parent with children came in and also quoted the uh, Bible uh, and the catechism. And what they did to this poor man, a parent, every right to be there to express his view about Catholic school being Catholic. And this had to do with flying the uh, gay pride flag. Okay. Um, he was um, chastised and they went after this guy. They went to his um, account on um, a professional uh, Lincoln, I believe it's called Lincoln to find out where did this guy work, okay? And when they found out where he worked, they contacted his employer, which was a university in uh, Ontario. And uh, the university, my understanding was that he, was, he cannot teach. He was teaching a program having nothing to do with religion, nothing to do with anything. He was teaching about the insurance industry from which he comes from. And uh, the university, I understand, said um, that he was not with keeping with their values. Okay, and this is a big problem for all of us everywhere, because corporations are now defining what their values are. And if you don't fit into their values, you can't work for them, which is like, you know, freedom of religion is, is, is out. So um, they got him dismissed from that position. And um, the Cardinal then, once again, through the um, Catholic Registrar, which, which is Register, which is the newspaper of the Archdiocese, again indicated to the trustees that the parent had every right to speak and talk about the Bible and the catechism, and that his reference to about um, little children, et cetera, taking a millstone, putting it around your head and, you know, drowning yourself, the opponents of this gentleman uh, were trying to claim that he was trying to incite murder and violence against the people that supported the gay pride flag. So again, you know, the thing is stretched out to, to make black into white and white into black. I mean, it's just a, a total, you know, whatever, but the Cardinal never came out to defend me uh, in a key position of the, 
workings of, of the Catholic school system to say Trustee Del Grand uh, had every right to defend and maybe I'm not happy with, with what he chose to defend or the examples that he gave, but he certainly has every right. And so, uh, John Henry, I find it rather ludicrous that I'm there, I got invited to the Archdiocese before this debate on November the 7th, the Archdiocese wasn't happy with what was going on. And that's that was my understanding. That was my direction, if you will, to to, to fight this. And, and I just felt lost. Mm-hmm. I felt, you know, the other two guys, um, the Archdiocese was very direct about them by name, the, uh, the parent for sure, uh, and myself uh, hanging to dry. Um, no fundraisers, no nothing. But then they feature in the, the Catholic register some of the people that came after me. And I don't want to get into it too much, but uh, they're there, you know, um, featured articles about them. And I'm scratching my head and I'm going, and like, I'm not even one of the lost sheep of the 99. I, I, I've been a faithful servant um, John Henry, I, I'm so disappointed because I am systemic. I have systemic bias. I do. And my systemic bias is towards the faithfulness of my faith to the Catholic Church. Okay? And I just find in this world today that instead of being one holy Catholic and apostolic, in order to be one, the gospel and the values and the magisterium have to be taught in Samoa, as they have to be in Brazil, as they have to be in Africa, as they have to be in North America and the West. You, you, you don't deviate. You don't have the luxury of deviating. Otherwise, you're not one. And part of the problem, I believe, with our, our, our Catholicity, if you will, is many of our people don't get good catechism. They don't, they're, they're in name only Catholics. They don't get good catechism. And secondly, the the higher echelon aren't speaking up in a way that makes everything seem united. It's all kinds of confusions. You have bishops in the in the United States. So you just got one recently promoted to to the Vatican, who is not on side with respect to abortion, not on side with respect to um, sexual activities, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And this is a uh, a bishop being promoted to this. So what is the, what are lay people supposed to, to do and think? And so uh, I've also studied church history, and I know that the uh, church history has not been perfect from the point of view of people, the point of view of, of popes, point of view of anti-popes, point of view that St. Catherine of Siena had to grab the pope uh, from France and bring him back to Rome, the 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 seat of Catholicism, that uh, various saints uh, with uh, heresies, etc., had to bring the church back, the Arius uh, uh, heresies, etc., what lay people have had to do in order to bring the church back. And we're in a time, as I say, much confusion, much difficulty, and, you know, good Catholics are scratching their heads because one parish preaches one thing and another parish preaches another thing. And we are servants. Like I'm a servant. I I don't uh, express, you know, I'm accused of being a perfect Catholic, you know, that I'm mocked for being a perfect Catholic. I'm not a perfect Catholic. I am a faithful, a sinful, but faithful practicing Catholic. I go to mass every Sunday. I always have been, but to, to to follow everybody else because everybody's doing it because, you know, it's human rights or uh, it's modernity. Like the church has got to get in, in, in tune with what's going on. They've got to adapt to, to the modern world. And I'm going, that's basic Catholicity 100. The church does not adopt to the modern world. Okay. The church is not part of the modern world. The church is responsible for um, holiness and getting to heaven. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There is incredible betrayal of the faith, of the faithful, and of our Lord Jesus Christ on the behalf of the hierarchy. So many in the hierarchy today are losing it, have lost it. But you know what's really weird? I'm used to that bishop you were uh, speaking of who was just appointed to the Vatican. Uh, that's uh, Bishop McElroy. 
and uh, he's terrible. He's he's against the church's teaching, really, on on life, on family issues, and appointed uh, by Pope Francis to a position in the Vatican. Actually, not very surprising, considered during the track record of Pope Francis. However, I am so perplexed by the those in the hierarchy like Cardinal Collins, because you have a, a very strange thing there. He's not consistently left. Uh, left in political terms is kind of weird to say, I know, but he's not consistently faithful either. This is the most bizarre thing. He's back and forth. He's sort of like lukewarm, if you will. Um, this is the same cardinal who objected to Henry Morgenthaler having the award of the Order of Canada. Great thing to do. This is the same cardinal, though, however, when the government of Ontario pushed to have these uh, gay and lesbian clubs in Catholic schools originally said, oh, don't worry, I'm, I'm going to deal with this. And then what? When they passed the law, he himself invited all Catholic schools. This is the cardinal invited all Catholic schools to have these LGBT clubs. It's unbelievable. But it, it comes from a place of, well, you know what? I don't even know what place that comes from, but it, it shows. So I'm not surprised at all to see that, yes, he made a little bit of an objection when a parent said something and then people on the school, the Catholic school board went after this Catholic parent and got him fired from his job. Yeah, the Cardinal might have said a little something there. The fact that the Cardinal is not backing you public here, publicly here, the fact that they are not funding your cases, is absolutely scandalous. These are hard things. And Catholic faithful need to stand up and say the hard things right now. To protect you, to defend you, definitely. To defend their brothers who are standing up for the faith heroically under these insane pressures. But you know what? Also, to defend the soul of their spiritual fathers. Because when our Lord talked about the millstone to be tied about your neck and you'd be thrown into the sea. He wasn't talking to just anybody. He was talking to the apostles. When the successors of the apostles, the bishops, Cardinal Collins, puts the faithful into these dangerous situations where it endangers their faith, he's doing so exactly what our Lord warned against. I don't want to... I use the words of uh, Pope Francis. I don't want to judge the cardinal. I don't want to judge any uh, hierarchy. But I do have the right to be sad. I do have the right to be confused. Um, I, I'm not going to, as I say, you know, part of our faith is to forgive. Um, not that the cardinals asked me for forgiveness. But I have to do what I have to do as a faithful Catholic. Um, I believe in heaven. Uh, I believe in hell. Uh, ironically, uh, there's a movement that uh, is indicating that we shouldn't teach children about hell and we shouldn't teach about that uh, homosexuality as is described in the catechism. Uh, there are people that, that say we shouldn't do that. And again, you know, I'm saying, what are we doing in a Catholic school? Um, what's our purpose if we can't teach our faith? We have to now uh, bridge we can't talk about this, but we can talk about that. We can talk about forgiveness. We can talk about all the niceties kinds of things. I am, I am driven by simplicity of what Jesus Christ said. Repent and believe. Okay? Repent and believe. And I have to, I, you know, when I get judged because I believe in the resurrection and the life hereafter, and I'm sounding like people would say, oh, you know, he's, he's a wingnut. He's one of these radical, uh, you know, right wingers and stuff. I'm not. I really am not. But there's nothing wrong with me knowing my faith and talking about my faith. So if I believe in the Catholic faith, I believe in the resurrection. We, we say that in the creed every Sunday. That's Those are our basic beliefs. I'm accountable for myself at the end of the day. I can't blame the cardinal. I can't blame this group or that group, etc. But in my conscience, if I know the difference between what I believe is right and wrong, I, as a Catholic school trustee, cannot, because of convenience, say, well, I don't want to talk about that or I don't want to defend that because it's going to get me into trouble. 
then what am I doing? What am I doing here in this position? So uh, I get where many of us are upset with our, our leadership in the church. As I said, you know, in Catholic history, we've had 2,000 years. It hasn't been, uh, you know, like for me, things like the Crusades where people were being killed, et cetera, or uh, the Inquisition. Where in our faith did it ever say that we are to kill on behalf of God in order to convert people and stuff? People have free will. That was the whole idea. So we've gone through a period of history that's not been very good uh, or kind in terms of what the church has done or not done. But that doesn't excuse me, who has taken catechism, who has done catechism, who has taught catechism, to say, well, um, that's their fault. That's, you know, the guy over there. I, uh, again, have uh, contributed financially to LifeSite, to Campaign Life here in Canada, because they're doing the work that I would like to do, but they're better organized. And so uh, I give what I can uh, to support those groups, your group. Um, and I'm very thankful. I, I forgot to mention right off the bat, I want to thank you and John Jesovec up here in Canada for the work that you guys do with respect to LifeSite. Um, and, you know, again, uh, conservatives generally, even here in Canada, you can't say anything that goes against Google or uh, Facebook or what have you, uh, they censor you. They censor you uh, extremely bad, which again, most people should worry about because we criticized the people of Germany in 1933. And we think we're going to learn the lessons from history, that we're not going to repeat some of those things. And there's some, some really dangerous parallels that are going here when you shut down free speech, when uh, you guys in the States, you want to take people's arms, because that's what the uh, Germany 1933 did, is remove people to have their arms, to uh, change the the judges, uh, change what was being taught in the schools, etc. And people say, oh, you know, that could never happen in 2021. Surely and slowly, um, you don't cook the frog in the beaker by uh, putting it in boiling water. You boil the water slowly, slowly and slowly and incrementally and incrementally next thing you know you've repeated history yeah yeah unbelievable mike want to let you know that we will support you we will try and help you with this case of yours um let me tell all of you viewers out there if you really want to do something to assist a good man fighting the good fight for you for the faith um please consider donating to the Life Funder campaign for Mike Del Grand, uh, who is standing up for the Catholic faith inside the schools in Ontario, uh, in, in, inside the schools in Toronto, and uh, really up against a juggernaut in a, what I really truly believe is a, is a precedent-setting kind of a case where he's not being supported uh, by the Archdiocese, uh, but he will be by faithful Catholics. Mike, God bless you for all of your good and hard work and for standing up the fa for the faith uh, under these terrible circumstances. Thank you very much, John Henry. Thank you to uh, LifeSite. I pray for you guys as well, too, uh, for the courage, because it's people like yourself, like the organization that gives people like myself the hope that we're not fighting alone, that uh, we have to band together. Uh, we tend to separate our various organizations, but uh, all of us that are in the same philosophy, if you will, that we see uh, a danger to our church, a danger to our teachings, a danger to our faith. We have to, uh, we have to take a stand collectively. It's not enough just to be sitting comfortably in the pews of our churches and forgetting about everything else that's going all around us. We are our brother's keeper. Uh, we do have to maintain our faith and as they say, you know, if you find one bad parish, you leave that one and you go to a, a better parish. You, know, you, you, you go what's going to feed you uh, food as opposed to stone. So that's the way I feel about things. And uh, uh, I'm grateful for my faith. Um, uh, I just wish my health was as strong as my faith. I've had some uh, serious medical issues. Uh, this, this stress has not been good for me nor my family. Uh, as you can appreciate that. But I do want to thank you and your viewers uh, for any uh, and all support that uh, 
you've given me. Thank you very much. Awesome, Mike. God bless you. And God bless all of you. We'll see you next time. I just need to let you know that the Canadian National March for Life is coming up. Please check this out. Join pro-life speakers Tony McFadden, Joseph Backholm, Jay Watts, and Will Witt for I Am With You, the National March for Life Youth Conference, hosted by Campaign Life Coalition Youth and Niagara Region Right to Life, May 14th from 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. at marchforlife.ca. And thanks to our donors, the cost is free. So register at the link below and we'll see you on May 14th. Hi, this is John Henry Weston, the co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News. I'm coming to you today because we want to be sure that we're communicating clearly with you, our loyal followers. Things are really heating up, as I'm sure you can see. Christians, conservative truth-tellers are being targeted, are being banned from social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram at an alarmingly fast rate. They are attempting to suppress any narrative that does not fit that of the mainstream media. We knew this day would come. We have been warning everyone who would listen and attempting to build up alternative platforms to continue to reach you. We have established ourselves on all sorts of platforms I'm going to explain in a minute, but the most important thing to do is come direct to lifesitenews.com because there we will always be. But we've also established ourselves on platforms like Parler and MeWe, and our videos can be found on Rumble as well. We would love to see each of you on those platforms too, as they are not censoring or suppressing the truth that we are sharing every single day. More than these alternative social media platforms, we highly encourage you to subscribe to our email newsletter. We have really built up a large list of loyal readers on our email marketing platform, and we have prepared several backup plans for, well, I want to say if, but it's really when, we are removed from our current platform as well. Additionally, I really encourage you, as I said before, to make it a regular habit to go directly to lifesitenews.com. Make it your homepage. While all of these different platforms are an excellent way to curate your news, going directly to our website means that you will never encounter any censorship or sudden loss of LifeSite News reporting. Here's the thing. We will never stop sharing the truth. We founded this organization with the mission to be the life, family, and culture source for men and women who seek to know the truth. We have established a track record of honest reports, and this will never stop even with censorship happening around the globe. Again, I'm encouraging you to join us on Parler, MeWe, Rumble, and on our email list. You can find all the direct links in the description of this video. May God bless you and keep you, and we are so thankful that you've chosen to follow and support LifeSite News. I'm John Henry Weston, co-founder and editor-in-chief of LifeSite News.